The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you online. I hope you guys are having or have had an incredible spring break, those of you who got one. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is where we'll be today. Um, next week is going to be amazing, man. I'm so excited about next week. Um, as a matter of fact, this is going to be a celebration of the Lord. We got several people that uh, have made the decision to follow the Lord in baptism. They've never been baptized, or they were like maybe got their baptism out of order and just feel the Lord calling them to that step of obedience. And so I asked one person um, about it who had recently made a decision for the Lord. I was saying, hey, man, like, we need to do your testimony video, your baptism testimony video. And, and he's like, man, I don't even know what baptism is. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, okay, that, that's cool. And, and so I, he asked for some directions. So I gave him a little direction. And, and I, ended up, I ended up finding this real old sermon that I preached way back in 2008. And and I sent it to him, and through that, man, the Lord just kind of laid on me. Um, one, there were two things uh, that that, uh, that needed to happen. Is one, I needed to bring a little clarity around uh, baptism. I thought, man, it'd be good to just stop, teach the body a little bit right before this big baptism day. Um, let me go back and talk about that, uh, just to encourage you, man. You want to bring folks next if you're going to invite anybody to church next week. Um, and then the week following, golly, it isn't easier to get your friends to come to church any other day of the year than Easter. Like, man, that's a that's a no-brainer. People will just uh, come with you on that day. But, man, next week, we got the food truck coming. <laughs> I'm talking about, we want to bring people next week. And we got, uh, we got Kona Ice, is that right? Oh, and it's all like, you're just going to like, have service. We're going to baptize some folks. You're going to hear their stories. Probably be a little bit of abbreviated service. There'll be some worship going on. And then you just roll out of here, man, and the first one to the taco truck gets a taco. Yeah. <laughs> no charge. This is celebration, man. And then you roll over there and, and get you a, a cone of ice, and man, it's going to be a good time. So I, I invite some, somebody to come with you and plan on having a good time. Uh, but but I in, in in preparing for that, man, I thought, well, man, I need to just dust this old sermon off, kind of polish it up a little bit and share it with the body. So that's what I'm going to do. That's number one. Number two, I've been preaching out of the same Bible uh, for probably 25 years. And finally, Revelation just fell out of it. It just... And so, man, I got a nice new Bible I've never preached a sermon out of today. It's a Cadillac. It's the BMW of Bibles. We just got to find out if it's got any power in it, right? That other one was loaded, man. And so uh, hopefully this one is as well. But uh, so anyway, I find a lot of people, there's a lot of confusion around baptism. Um, and so uh, let me start by first saying what it is and what it is not, okay? So this, I think, is in your worship folder. Baptism, <clears throat> you're going to have to excuse me, man. Like, laid a lot of insulation yesterday. So, like, if I get a little choked up, I'm not being emotional. I just can't breathe, okay? So baptism is a physical act of obedience that symbolizes death and resurrection. Baptism is not salvation or spiritual birth, okay? So baptism symbolizes, is a, is a physical act of obedience. I take a step in obedience. I obey the Lord physically. I take a step following him, but it is not what makes me right with the Lord. It is a demonstration that I have been made right with the Lord. So it's a physical act that is giving a spiritual testimony of what has happened on the inside of me. And so a lot of times um, when I'm talking to people, it's not uncommon, uh, you know, that people, they, they want to talk to you about some spiritual things or they need some uh, counseling advice regarding their marriage or, or maybe they're um, at some other kind of crisis they're facing in life. And they, 
they will turn to a minister and, and want to ask some questions about how to deal with this. What, what, you know, how do they navigate through this? And so one of the things that I will often ask of people is I'll say, um, tell me about your relationship with Jesus, okay? And they will say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Or I was baptized when I was four or five years old or when I was nine years old. Or I was confirmed. But that's not what I ask you. Like, I didn't ask you that. Like, I didn't ask you if you were confirmed. I didn't ask if you were baptized. I said, tell me about your story, your relationship with Jesus. And that's where a person will often go. And I think it's because there's some confusion around it. And it's a significant indication that um, people are confused about baptism and what baptism does. So baptism is not what makes you right with God. And so a lot of times we'll see, well, you know, we... We, we get baptized because we want to go to heaven. No, you get baptized because you are going to heaven, right? <laughs> so you got to understand this. And so many people don't think about how they live. They think about whether or not they were baptized. And that is a very dangerous way uh, to, to approach your, your relationship with God is to thinking about it is this physical act. And so I, I think a lot of people are confused because you don't get a lot of teaching about, about baptism. You'll hear a lot of different sermons on how you're to treat your neighbor or that you should be baptized, but no one ever really talks about, you know, you don't probably hear a lot of sermons. I think about the last year, this is a, I'll talk about baptism from time to time, but I've not taken the time to explain this is what baptism is. And so I think it creates confusion because people see others get baptized and they think that's, that's it. That's what I do. I'm reminded of uh, old Delmar. Y'all know who Delmar is? You see no brother, where art thou? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. The dudes are, are they're, they're like walking down through the, that, that timber and, and all, they're eating gopher, I think, right? And all of a sudden, this procession of people in white, they start making their way to the river, and they're singing an old hymn. And man, that three dudes are just in awe. Their eyes get big, and they go down into the water, man, and, and they start, or the people start getting baptized, and Delmar's watching, man. He, he's just watching the whole thing. And all of a sudden, man, he takes off running. He hits the water, and the preacher baptizes him, and he comes up, and he says, that's it, boys. It's a straight and narrow from here on out. The Lord has done forgiven me of all my sins. And, he, and so he says, I think uh, uh, the guy says, uh, what about that, uh, the, the Piggly Wiggly you um, held up in Yazoo? And he said, he forgave me of that one, too. And so anyway, I think the other guy says, man, Delmar done got saved, right? And so he saw people doing uh, this act of baptism, and he immediately equated, well, that's what I need to do. I need to get baptized, and everything will be fixed in my life. And so a lot of times people think that way about their relationship with Jesus, that it, it is, man, I go to church, and I get, I, I, I get baptized, and I go to church, you know, especially on Easter and Christmas, and I, I, that's my relationship with the Lord, and so um, someone might say even, well, when you're talking to them about their relationship with the Lord, they'll say, I think you need to believe and be baptized, and then you're all right. Not so. Like, did you know the Bible in the book of James teaches that even the demons in hell believe that Jesus was God? Like, they believe, but they're not, they're not right with God. They stand in opposition to everything that Christ represents. As a matter of fact, they're in a spiritual battle against God for his glory, trying to rob the glory of God from um, humans giving God glory. And so they get people, to they influence people through temptation and trying to rob God of all of his glory. And so it's more than just belief. There has to be something that has happened in your life that has been a total transformation. And so when you're talking about baptism, like it's not about... <laughs> It's not about what you think. Like when you're talking about my soul, I don't know what I don't want to know what a, a person thinks. Um, even sometimes people get confused. I think a little bit about confirmation. Like I was confirmed by who? Like who confirmed you? Who can confirm you but you? Like nobody can confirm me. I can sell anybody anything I want, and I can get anybody to say, "Well, yeah, this guy's all right." 
and they never know what's happened inside of my heart. The only person that could really confirm me is me and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so like that's where the confirmation needs to come from is I need to know in the depths of my soul that I am right with God. And baptism doesn't do that. Baptism does not um, is not the act that takes place that makes you right with God. And so there are really, when we look at the word, there are, there are two baptisms. Now, I know the word says, like, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, okay? Paul is speaking in rhythm there, but there, there are two baptisms, okay? And they are a spiritual baptism and a physical baptism. And, and John said it this way in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, he says when he's baptizing people, He says this in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so there is a spiritual baptism and there is a physical baptism. And the spiritual baptism, the Greek word that we have for baptism is the word uh, baptisma or baptizo is um, how you would say it. And it means literally to dip under. Like in this culture, when they would take a, a cloth and maybe make it this nice shade of purple like I got on. Y'all like my purple today? I usually wear black, but every once in a while I'll try to wear a little color. I go big today, right? Go with the purple. But if you wanted to make it purple, you would baptize the cloth in a dye, okay? And you would put it all the way under there. You would immerse it. You would bring it out, and it would come out purple. And so that's the word that they would use. And so when we look at this, um, the, the spirit baptism, when it talks about one is coming who will baptize you in the spirit, it is an immersion that you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you, um, you, know, you start acting weird? No, it just means that you are so, like, you are totally immersed in the, in the Holy Spirit of God. There is a shift in your life. You are, you are no longer the way that you used to be. It's kind of like if you're, if you're there on, on the dock and you're about to jump in the lake, you are immersed in the lake. Like, it's all-encompassing. It's, you are totally covered. You, you totally have been transformed from dry to wet. You are immersed in the water. And that's what happens when you are baptized in the Spirit. You are immersed in the Spirit. Now the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Before he lived outside of you, now he lives inside of you. That's the whole purpose of Jesus coming to die on the cross and atoning for your sins and transforming you so that he could reside in you. That's why you need to be forgiven of your sins because God cannot dwell in a sinful person. And so what does he do? He provides a covering, just like the first humans who sinned and fell, and they were ashamed of their sin. What did God do? We had the first killing in the Bible when an animal's life was taken and clothing was made for the first couple, Adam and Eve, and he covered them because they were ashamed because they were naked. They didn't even know they were naked before, but all of a sudden they felt shame because they disobeyed God, and now they knew. And so what does God do? He uh, blood is shed and a covering is given to cover them so that they didn't have to walk around in shame. And it was a picture of what Jesus would do is that he would shed his own blood as the lamb of God. And that when I place my faith and my trust in him, I am covered by his death. And I am, as Delmar said, I am absolved of my sins. They are taken away. I am forgiven. And so now I am immersed in the spirit and the spirit of God can indwell me because when God looks at me now, he doesn't see sinful Jimmy Holbrook. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, who died in my stead. And so now he doesn't have to turn away from me because I have been forgiven and I am justified in the sight of God based on his work of atonement on the cross. And so at that point in time, I am immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, water baptism is an act of obedience that follows that spiritual baptism. And so water outwardly symbolizes and proclaims what has happened. And that's why we do it, is because Jesus said, like, go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so why does he say? He says, make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who has surrendered 
to a rabbi. Who is the rabbi? The rabbi is Jesus. He's the second person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son. And now when I surrender to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and he teaches me and I'm surrendered to him. And as I surrender to him, once I become a disciple of his and I am to follow him in baptism. And so water baptism outwardly symbolizes and proclaimed what has happened to me on the inside. It is the death of Christ. So Christ died on the cross and then they buried him in the tomb. So when I go down into the water, I'm symbolizing I am dying to myself. I am dying to the selfish, sinful ways of Jimmy Holbrook. I'm done with listening to my flesh. I'm done with that guy. I've recognized that that guy is a sinner. He is offensive to God, and he needs to die. And so I go through a, 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 a sacrifice, if you will, of myself. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself Take up your cross, which is a form of execution, execute yourself, and begin following me. So I am buried. When I go down into the water, I am burying that old self. Let's get rid of Jimmy Holbrook, the old guy. Jesus, after three days, was raised from the dead. So when I come up out of the water, I'm raised to life, and it symbolizes the resurrection that has happened in Christ has now happened in me spiritually. So physically, I am, I am, uh, I am symbolically walking out in obedience, an act that symbolizes what has taken place in my life spiritually. One day, physically, that will all happen for me. My body will also rise. It will be reunited with my soul, and I will take on an imperishable body that is glorified just like Jesus did, which we were going to be celebrating here in a couple of weeks on Easter. And so um, what, what baptism does is, is, is it's symbolizing those three things, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and the death, burial, and resurrection of myself. And so let's look at Romans chapter 6, and it'll shed some light on this for us. Here's what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires." Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, so what, 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 what is sin? What? This talks a lot about sin and sin having mastery over me or dominion is what the word means. Well, sin, you say, well, how do I know what a sin is? It's simple. A sin is any time I am rebelling against what God has asked me to do. If I am not loving my wife like Jesus loves the church, I'm sinning. If I if the Lord is, is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, is like leaning into me about serving someone, and I can tell, like I'm, I, I think about it, and then I just kind of put it out of my mind, and I go, ah, yeah, I really don't have time for that. I'm sinning. 
if, if so a lot of times what we like to do is kind of simplify things and make it be like, well, I guess sin is if I get wasted. I mean, you know, maybe I have a, a drink or two, a beer, but as long as I don't like go too far and get wasted, then I'm not sinning. But that's an easy way out. Like sin is both in the negative and the positive. Like certainly we're to be not, be not drunk on wine. We are not to be inebriated, right? And so if we, if we do, then, then we're sinning. But also if I'm not loving my wife like Jesus loves the church, I'm sinning. If I'm not listening to the voice of the Lord and walking with him as he is, the Holy Spirit is prompting me and leading me, I'm sinning. So it isn't always something that has to be dealing with whether it's socially acceptable or not. Like, it's not a list. It's rebellion. It's, it's, the, it's the Lord trying to lead us and be the Lord of our lives and him shepherding us and guiding us and us listening to him. And if we're not listening, we're sinning. That's just as simple as it could be. It's, it's falling short of what God is asking me to do. You say, well, what is God asking you? How do I know what God is asking me to do? Well, that's why you need to be in the word. You say, well, I don't have time to read the word. Sinning. <laughs> right? Because you, you do have time. And, and the only way to keep yourself tender to the voice of the Lord is by like letting the truth of God fall over your life. And as it falls on your life and you're like in it and you're like reading, then you'll be walking along and you go like, man, should I, I probably shouldn't be, I probably shouldn't be thinking this way right now. And, and so, uh, suddenly truth is hitting your head, man. And, and Shay talked a lot about this last week. He did a great job. I thought Shay, I told Shay, best sermon he ever preached last week. And he's preached some good ones, man. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Give it up. Love on Shay. And so, and so like um, when, now don't, don't get big head. You'll be sinning. so it's like uh, so like we walk that out and man and that's what sin is and so it's just like very clear it's being in a personal relationship with God this is why it's so necessary for us to have this experience where we're baptized into the spirit we're immersed in the spirit and then the spirit teaches us he guides us he leads us and as we listen to him and we're following him through the word you say what what does he sound like? He doesn't sound like anything. He's just pressing, man. He's just like, you just know. Like the voice of the Lord is clear and it becomes more and more clear the more you are in the word and the more you talk to him. Like all of you, most of you won't admit this, but all of you talk to yourself, okay? You'll be driving down the road and just talking to yourself. And then you look over and say, I think they see I'm talking to myself. No, they probably think I'm talking on the phone. Nah, you're talking to yourself. Quit talking to yourself and start talking to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. You say, well, sometimes I don't want to talk. I, don't, I would not want to say to the Lord what I'm saying to myself. It's okay. He already knows. Okay? Just tell him. And he will work you through those things, and that's what a relationship with the Lord looks like. We're immersed in the spirit, and we're, we're pray without ceasing. We're always like in this moment of thinking about who the Lord is in our lives. And so when we, when we think of these things and what the book of Romans is teaching us right here, Paul saying, man, you once were dead in your sin. You're no longer dead. You're now alive in Christ. What in the world is going on there? Well, here's the first thing. The follower of Jesus is dead to sin. So when we think in terms of baptism, like we don't want to baptize somebody who's not dead to sin. Now, is it possible to baptize somebody that's dead to sin? Yes, it is possible. But only that person knows whether or not they have died to themselves and Christ has been raised. You could fool me, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so like you will reap that lie that you are living. You won't reap it from me. You'll reap it from the Lord. And so he knows your heart. And so like um, the follower of Jesus is dead to sin. The old man is executed. And that's why the, 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 the phrase, like, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. He no longer is alive. We used to sin before we're baptized in the Spirit. We used to sin, and we like it. And now when we sin, like, we'll start, we'll be watching a movie, and then all of a sudden, man, like, they're dropping all these F-bombs. And you're like, why, why do they talk like that? Before you were immersed in the Spirit, you didn't even really care. You were probably dropping the F-bombs yourself right? And so all these things, like they, a shift starts happening. We start thinking about, you know, you're, listen to how I talk to my wife. What happened? Like, why, why does a person shift all of a sudden and they start caring about those things? It's because they've died to sin. 
They've died to themselves. They're dead to sin. And now Christ is alive in them and he's trying to work himself out. And so all of a sudden, we can't just love sin like we used to love sin. And we have a desire to listen to the Lord. And so the old self was crucified, executed. And so we got to bury that corpse. And a lot of the problems we have today in the American church is we have a lot of people who say, I've died to sin, and you're dragging a corpse around. You got to bury the corpse. You can't live like the old man. He's dead. Like he has no mastery. He has no power over you. Now Christ is alive in you, and so the corpse has to be buried, and you have to quit trying to look back and like, Sometimes I think, sometimes we drag him around, sometimes we do okay, and then we're just like, I think I'm gonna go to the cemetery and dig that guy up. How crude is that? Like, it's ridiculous. We need to kind of get that out of our minds. And so try to live, um, we, 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 if we try to live the old lifestyle after coming to Christ, it is foolish. Jesus said this. He said, it would be better off that if you never knew the truth than to know the truth and not follow it. Why would you be better off? Because you're dead to sin and you're trying to, like you're dragging a dead guy around your whole life. And think of the energy it takes to drag a corpse around. And that's what we do is if we, if we actually have executed ourselves um, by taking up our cross and the Lord has immersed us in the spirit and we still are letting the old man try to run the show who is subject to um, uh, like, like temptation uh, and, and, and the sway of the enemy and doesn't want to listen to the voice of the Lord. If, if, we let, if we try to live like that, man, we are torn. We, we become spiritual schizophrenics. Like we just, we just can't navigate life. So we have to learn how to, and people, man, people get so messed up by this. And some of you are messed up by it right now. Is the secret to Christianity and living a life of abundance is 100% surrender. If you're halfway surrendered, it is, it, it does not work. I've tried it. You'll be miserable, man. You'll be convicted all the time. You'll be walking around knowing I'm walking in disobedience to who I am as a, as a child of God. And you have to constantly tell yourself, well, it's okay. Jesus forgives me. Jesus loves me. Well, man, I just go to, I'm not, like, I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I never sin. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this, I do not willfully walk in sin. I do not willfully walk in sin as I have in the past before I 100% surrender my life to the Lord and recognized that I was trying to drag a corpse around. So I was saved at an early age. I was immersed in the spirit. I started to rebel against that. I tried to drag the old Jimmy around. And finally, I came to a point where I was exhausted. And by the grace of God, man, he showed me how foolish the life I was living was. And I buried that corpse. And I do not want him anywhere around. And anytime I recognize his stinky self, he's going back in the ground. And that's called repentance. He doesn't run the show. Jimmy no longer runs the show. Jesus does. And the more I get that, the more that I can walk that out, the greater my life is enhanced, man, on this side of eternity and even how much more on the other side. And so like the, the, the follower of Jesus is d dead to sin and that kind of leads right into what I'm talking about. Uh, the next point is the follower of Jesus is alive to God in Christ. He's just alive to God. Many are dead to sin, alive to God. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. He says in verse 10 that Jesus died once but lives continually. How does he live continually? Jesus also said um, when they were amazed at all of the works that he was doing, he said, you will do greater works than these. How in the world could we do greater works than Jesus? He's in me. Like the spirit of God is in me. And so the spirit of God and Jesus has been doing work. Jesus is doing a work right now. Like, I don't get up here and do this for money. Certainly, I get paid, and it's how my, my family is supported, but that's not the why behind it. The why behind it is I just love Jesus, and he called me into the ministry. I listened, and I knew I would be rebelling and sinning if I didn't answer the call, and so I followed, and the Lord has been using me in ministry ever since. And the joy of the Lord is, is, is my strength, man. And so I walk in that obedience. And, 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 and so the Lord uses me. The Lord has used me in your life to teach many people. The Lord used Sean this morning. Like, like what you don't want is you don't want a worship guy who just comes in and he thinks that everybody wants to listen to him. And I appreciate that John, Sean is not that way. Like he comes in and he recognizes his job is to lead us before the throne of God. 
And then he comes in and walks in obedience to try to accomplish that. And all, that's what our, all of our staff is about. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and I'm thankful like, that we can do that. Like We can walk in and be dead to sin, and we can be alive to God in Christ Jesus, and, and, and the, the Lord lives in us continually accomplishing things here on the planet. So the old man has to die so that the new life can be lived, and it's no longer controlled by sin. It's controlled by the Holy Spirit. So spiritual birth is when uh, a person unites with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what spiritual birth is. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, religious dude. He says, man, teacher, I see you doing great things. What must a guy do? This is in John chapter three. What must a guy do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, you must be born again. He's like, what? How can I be born again? I can't enter my mother's womb. He's thinking physically. He had his mind on the things of the world. And he says, man, you're a teacher of the law and you don't know these things? He says, like, you have to be born of the Spirit, just like you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You see it moving trees, but you'd never see an actual wind. He said, that's the way the Spirit is. You'll never see the Spirit, but you can look around, and you can see that he's moving in other people's lives, and you'll see the effects of the Spirit, and he will blow over your life, and when he blows over your life, if you will unite with me in my death, burial, and resurrection, because he went on to say the Son of Man, and while he's talking to Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up, just like in the story of Moses, the serpent was lifted up before the Jewish people, the Son of Man must be lifted up, and he will bring healing to the people. And so as you unite with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, then the Spirit of God moves in you, and you are made alive in Christ, okay? And then, so that's the spiritual baptism, and the, the, the physical baptism always in the Word follows that. The Ethiopian eunuch, man, he's like reading the Word. He's reading out loud. He's a, he's a very uh, rich guy. He's being carried through this road. And Philip is like told of the Lord to go down this desert road. And he goes down this desert road. It's the long way. Nobody takes it. But it's the dangerous way. Everybody avoids it. Avoids it. It's not the shortcut. But he feels the Lord telling him to go down that road. He goes down that road, finds himself walking next to this chariot because this guy of um, uh, uh, that, that was like really influential in Ethiopia is going that way. And, and lo and behold, that guy is in there and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And he's like, man, like he's reading it and, and, and Philip is listening to him because the spirit had told him to go up and get close to the chariot. And so he's just walking along and he hears the guy reading. He's like, man, I can tell he's in the, in the prophet Isaiah. And so he says, man, won't you ask that guy if he understands what's going on? And so he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I? Unless uh, somebody explains it. Ho, ho. Now Philip's not walking the desert road anymore. He's riding in the chariot, talking for Jesus, doing greater works than Jesus because Jesus is in him. And what does he do? He explains to him who the prophet Isaiah is talking about. And, and he says, it's Jesus, man. Jesus came to die for your sins. And he explains this whole spiritual birth thing to him. And he tells him that you must be immersed and you must die to yourself. Jesus taught that if you want to be my disciple, you die to yourself and, and, and you follow him in baptism. You know what the Ethiopian eunuch says? Stop this thing. There's water right there. Let me get in and get baptized right now. Repentance, baptism. The guys in uh, the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, man, they're all out there. Peter comes out. He's preaching this sermon, first sermon ever preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching as he's indwelt with the Spirit of God. And the people, man, are the, the, the town of Jerusalem is full. And people are listening, man, and they are getting convicted. Like they are getting convicted. And they say, man, he says to them, you killed the author of life. You crucified Jesus. It was God in the flesh. And many of them, not all of them, but many of them were struck, man. They were hit by the voice of the Lord. And they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Like he didn't say be baptized and repent. Repent, be immersed in the Spirit of God as you are witnessing the wind blowing through me right now, and that's what the Lord has used to get your attention. You see the effects of the Spirit, and when the Spirit of God comes over your life and he invites you into his kingdom, and you respond and say, I want to unite with the Lord in his death, burial, and resurrection, you believe, you repent, and then you follow in baptism. That's, that's the way we see the, the pattern in the New Testament. And so here, here's the deal. That's, what, that's what's going on. Is we, what is baptism? 
That's exactly what it is. It's a symbol act or symbolic act that that transaction that I've just taken all that time to teach you about has happened in my life. That the Lord has gotten a hold of me. I have responded. I have united with him in his death. And I have realized in that uniting that it was my sin that required him to be on the cross of Calvary. It was my sin that required him to be buried. You see, because death is the sentence for sin, but Jesus is sinless. Why is he dying then? Because he's taking my sin and my shame, and he is the perfect lamb whose blood can actually take away the sin. He dies on the cross of Calvary, and then because he is perfect and the death wasn't justified, the power of God is exercised in his life, and he rises from the dead. To do what? To claim the earth as his own. And he starts with the people, and he builds a church as he promised he would. And he says in Matthew 16, I will build my church, my gathering of people, my ecclesia, my followers. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not stop it. And then I will return, and I will take the planet too. See, he's taking his people spiritually. He will come back and he will reclaim the planet for himself physically. So when we look at all of this, there are four, four, four categories of people real quickly. You can write these down. And you fall in one of these categories. So do a survey right now. They're gonna come at you quick. Every one of you falls in one of these categories. The first one is people who are not interested in Christ. They're just not interested. They're, they're uh, too busy and, different and indifferent to think about it. And they figured out a way in life, and they're like, man, Christianity is for people who are weak. Man, I, I'm not weak, bro. <laughs> I'm just satisfied, right? And so like, like a lot of people are indifferent about it. And it's like, yeah, it's great for them, but I really don't need it. Oh, you need it. Why do you need it? Because you're sinful. Like you are, a, you, are, you are dead in sin and trespasses. And so like your whole life is not just about the time that you are physically alive. You are an eternal being. And so some people are just, just indifferent about the whole thing. The second category is people who are to the right of Christ, okay? Um, they're all about legalism and religion. You got to, man... Like, if you, if you want to be right with God, you got to love people, and you got to try to do good, and you probably ought to help the poor people out every once in a while, give a little cash in the offering sometimes, or, or send a donation to this cha- uh, charity, you know, and maybe every once in a while go over and mow my neighbor's yard. I'm a pretty good dude. You're to the right of Christ, because you think that it's based upon what you do that makes you right with God. And so then you can get, if you get caught running in that vein, then all the time you're trying to perform like a circus monkey to impress God. And you'll never get there. How do you impress God? If he's God, you can't impress him. So it doesn't matter how much good you do, he is never going to be impressed. And there are people who become extremely legalistic. Man, they, they just seem like they never have any fun. Um, they, they, don't, they don't seem to be real happy. They just are upset and mad at the world. They're mad at people, they're mad at people who aren't religious like them. That's what's wrong with the world. It's just way over to the right of Christ. Yeah, I don't like those people, man. You know, I don't like them at all. Well, you got this other group too. These are people to the left of Christ. People to the left of Christ, they're all about freedom. And their relationship with Jesus consists of justifying their sin and how much can I get away with? Well, well, I know, like, but the Bible doesn't say that I can't do this. Like, the Bible doesn't, like, Pastor, is it okay to do this? Like, that is the wrong kind of thinking, man. If you really have been immersed in the Spirit of God and you, like, you have, like, been baptized in the Spirit of God, then it's not about what can I get away with. It's like, what can I get out of my life to get more of this? It's a totally different mindset. And so there are some people who are way to the left of Christ, and they're like, whatever I can get away with, how can I have the most fun? How can I do this as much as I want and still make sure that I got a good enough insurance policy that, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm good to go, right? And I say, well, I'm, I was baptized, Jesus. And he'd be like, <laughs> what does that mean? I was baptized, Jesus. Did he come that all may be baptized? No, he came that all may be transformed by his power and live, like, like allow their, their, their lives to be all about him and his kingdom. 
That's, that's what it's all about. And so then you got the people who are, are to the left of Christ, and it's all about freedom. And then you got people who are in Christ. So you got right, left, in. And people who are in Christ, these are the people who are up close behind the rabbi. And they, they're close enough to the rabbi um, that, that, that the, the, the dust of the rabbi's steps are getting all over their face. They're that close to him. They're listening. Like, you gotta be close, man. You gotta be close. We, the closer you are, the easier it is to listen. We're doing this insulation in this basement. The more insulation you put in, I'm hard of hearing. If you haven't noticed, man, <laughs> I'm accepting it, but I'm not getting hearing aids, okay? You talk to me, and I'll say what a lot. What, huh, what? We are putting this insulation in, man. The room just kept, kept getting deader and deader. And, and, and I'm working with Jason, and he's down on that end, man. And he, he would say something. I'd be like, what? <laughs> I needed to be close to him to hear him. And that's the way it is with the Lord, is, is people who are in Christ are, are, are right up close to him. And they're using the word, man, to let it transform their lives. And the spirit of God who's, whom they've been immersed in, they're just continually being immersed in him. And he's saying, man, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to, you know, walk this way. And they're like, man, all oh, the Lord is like, he's leaning into me right here. And I want to walk that obedience out. And as you walk it out, man, then the greater abundance is poured out in your life because now you are producing fruit as John chapter 15 says, that is only possible if you are abiding in Christ, which means remaining in him. I'm walking with him. I'm up close to him. I'm behind him. He speaks. I listen. And all of a sudden, fruit starts being produced in my life. And so that's people who are in Christ. Their will has been surrendered to him, and therefore they walk in power and authority. And not everybody does. And so one of the, you know, one of the things that we really try to help people see at OPCC is, man, the Lord doesn't just want to save you and take you to heaven. He's going to use you here on earth, and he's going to fill you with your, his spirit in such a way that as you listen to him, you can walk in power and authority. And, and, and as you walk in power and authority, it's going to produce fruit in your life, and other people's lives are going to be impacted by it as well. And so what, here's the thing. Water baptism comes after spiritual baptism, and you are in Christ. That's when it comes. And so it's like, you're immersed in water after you're immersed in the Spirit. And the big idea of today's talk is, once I have been baptized in the Spirit, I should follow Jesus and be baptized in the water. Why? I think it's one of the, like, so, so man, it, 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 today it kind of happens in churches most of the time, right? Like, I've baptized people in ponds before. It can happen anywhere, right? But during the time that it was, it was instituted, like, the Jewish people were the per- first people to become Christian. And they were baptized in the Jordan River. And so they had to go out into the water to get baptized. And they would be baptized in a name. And it was the name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They say they were baptized into the name of, of Jesus, whom the Jewish religious leaders said was a blasphemer. And they were responsible for saying, he's guilty of blaspheming against God. He is not the Messiah. And so if you said, I want to be baptized into the name of Christ, this is why Jesus said these things like, if you want to be my disciple, you have to love me more than you, you like. You have to hate your mother, your father, your brother, and sister. And what he says, you have to love me more than you do family. Fa- like you love me first. Why did he say that? Because if my brother was a diehard Jew, like and, and practiced Judaism, and and he believed that Jesus was not the Messiah, and I believed that he was, and I went into that Jordan and I was baptized into the name of Jesus. I'm no longer a part of his family. That's how serious it was. Like, I couldn't get a job among the Jewish people. If I had a job, then people would probably terminate my employment. This is why the people in the book of Acts, it says they sold all their possessions and shared with each other. Why? Because there was a tremendous need because so many of them started accepting Jesus and they were rejected by the, uh, all of the econo- economic structure. They couldn't make money, so they had to take care of people. So the wealthy people started taking care of the poor people. They shared things until the church could get out of the ground and God used them that way. 
And so they had to go out in front of their friends and make a public statement that I have been immersed in the Spirit of God based upon my relationship with Jesus as the Messiah. And so like, whenever you, whenever you are immersed in the Spirit, one of the first things that the, Holy, that the enemy is going to teach, try to challenge you with, you don't need to be baptized. You don't need to be baptized. Baptizing, baptism is not that important. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized. The thief on the cross died that day too. You're still living. The, the thief on the cross never had a chance to walk in obedience. He never had a chance to live the abundant life. He never had a chance to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so like, if you are rationalizing, I don't need to be baptized, you are not listening to the voice of the Lord. Like, you got to hear the voice of the Lord, man. And, and if, if you need to follow him in baptism, like, the enemy is going to challenge you there. Because here's why I believe he challenges you. It's one of, the, one of the first acts of obedience that we're called to take. And if we ignore it, then we're walking in sin because we're rebelling against what God said. So now it becomes harder to hear the voice of the Lord and he could create a wedge and drive a wedge in between our relationship with Jesus. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves like, ah, oh, it's not, I really don't need that. It's not that big a deal. You know, like, man, I don't ever think about that. I'm 100% satisfied with my baptism. I never think about it at all. Why? Because I walked in obedience just as God called me to. And so there's like, don't do that, man. Like you're, you're being your own worst enemy if you're reasoning that way. Just walk it out in, 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 in spirit and truth and listen to the voice of the Lord. And it's, it's all that matters is what Jesus wants you to do. That's it. Not what Jimmy wants you to do. Not what Pastor Shea wants you to do. But when it comes to what Jesus wants you to do, man, you walk that out in obedience. And you will begin to see the freedom starts rolling in your life. And that's what it means to bury the corpse and be raised to life in Christ. So like we do this act of obedience. We don't carry the corpse around. We don't try to dig him up. That life stinks. And I'm reminded of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus, you know, he was, um, he died. He's Jesus' friend. And Jesus shows that four days after his death, he's buried. And he does a miracle. And he calls for Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And Lazarus comes forth, and he's wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus says to them, take the grave clothes off of him and set him free. And so they took the grave clothes off of Lazarus. And, Laz and people started to come check Lazarus out just like they did Jesus because everybody knew the story. Like, like he, he started trending, right, because he was raised from the dead. For us... Something very similar happens spiritually is that we, we die and Jesus raises us to life and we're wrapped in grave clothes. That's the corpse. And sanctification is about taking the grave clothes off. So for Lazarus, they all came off instantly. Okay, but for us, I think we have to learn to listen to the Lord and more of the grave clothes come off. And they just keep coming off. Now, in God's eyes, there are no grave clothes. He's already fixed us. But it is the, the, the sinful nature that we have to walk out this thing called sanctification. What is it? It's spiritual growth. It just keep taking those grave clothes off, man. And every time I get some more, get, get another uh, one of those dead bandages off, I can see clearer. And so that's why a person has to walk out their faith going, man, I don't want to be trip, getting tripped up by the grave clothes. That guy is dead. I've been raised to be alive in Christ. And so I'm not going to live like a dead man. And the more the grave clothes I can get off, the brighter my light will shine for the kingdom. And the more I will be used to accomplish the purposes of the Lord. And the more heaven could be opened up and blessings poured down on my life. That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is the word of the Lord. So the question is, do you need to be baptized in water? Do you need to be baptized in the Spirit? If you've never been immersed in the Spirit, it's your life, and nobody can execute you but you. That's it. doesn't matter who confirmed you when and told you this, that, or the other. You know whether or not you've died to yourself. And so you die to yourself. You're immersed in the Spirit, and you follow the Lord and water baptism. And next week's going to be amazing. Like, it's going to be so fun. You're going to hear some incredible stories. And so this is what I would say to you. 
like decision time. If you need to be baptized, we're shooting videos today. The baptistry will be full next week. So your lack of a baptism will not be because we didn't offer the opportunity. It will be because you rejected what the Lord was saying to you and you decided to walk in sin. So right after church, man, take about five or ten minutes. We shoot your little testimony video. And you're like, oh, man, I don't want to walk in front of people. What do you think about that dude who walked into the Jordan and got baptized? I don't, I'm having a hard time talking with people. Well, that's why I'm there to help you. I'm going to help you with that. And we're going to get your story laid down. It's going to be incredible. You're going to get baptized. You're going to take off some grave clothes. And you're going to go out and eat tacos. It's going to be awesome. All right? And we'll celebrate. And so if you need to follow the Lord in that, I want to encourage you to do so. And I want to make sure that I do everything that I can as your pastor to be like that you are certain about understanding God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And you're like, man, I think the Lord is asking me to do this. All you have to do, I'm going to be standing in the back. You say, I, I want to do it. Even if you can't do it today, we'll figure out a way to get get back up here and get your video shot, but it'd probably be easiest for you if you just jump on in and do it today. And so you just say something to me or Shay, um, let us know, and we'll get you taken care of today. But let's pray. I'm going to turn it over to Sean, and, and just we'll sit in a moment, let the Lord speak to us, um, do a little worship, and we'll go on our way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word and the clarity. We thank you for for baptism, Lord, it's such a simple thing that requires um, faith for us to step out in faith and trust you. And we thank you, Lord, um, for like the miracle of immersion in the spirit. And we can die to ourselves and be alive in you. Thank you for what you've done to make that possible for us. And I pray if there's someone here who you're inviting to the kingdom that you would Help them, Lord, to have the courage to say yes. If there's someone here who needs to follow you in baptism, Lord, give them the courage to say yes and listen to what you're calling them to. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.